Hello, and welcome to the Fad and Dad podcast. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. His friends call him Fad. I'm Joshua Burks. His kids call him Dad. And we're the Fad and Dad podcast, where faith is meaningful and wit is an occasional guest. A common friend, codename America. America. So. Uh, who doesn't live in America anymore? Who doesn't live? <laughs> <laughs> That's worth reaching out to her over. Please she do. once mentioned she heard she heard a priest or perhaps just a friend talk about his um, his most oh I don't know if I want to say effective, but I'll just say, say effective prayer and thinking and work mm. time was when he was fasting because he quite literally had more room for Jesus in his body and could hear and was making this connection. And I don't know, you say that and that's, I immediately thought of America. It's a very American thing to say. I did not, uh, listeners, I think you heard me and you can rewind and uh, send an email to Josh, Josh at joshbirds.com. I roll. And, uh, well, no, not the eye roll, but I don't think I ever said that there is literally more room inside me. <laughs> America did. America did. America did. America did. And so, God bless America. God bless America. So, I'm Father Andrew Dickinson, the uh, fad of Fad and Dad. I am Joshua Burks, and I am the dad. And it's good to be here. It's good to be here. Let us build three tents. Yes. Hey, that's fitting coming off of recent weeks. Yes. Um, so today we're we're going to be jumping into Justin Martyr. Just in time. Just in time to do some happy reading. We um glorious reading. Yeah, we're we're going to do this in the style of Fat and Dad. We're just going to slowly make our way through it. Uh, so we're going to begin. He has. I'm familiar with three large works out there. Uh, there could be more. Yeah. But we're going to start in, in his work, uh, commonly known as the First Apology, or the First Apologia. And we're just going to do about the first 20 or so paragraphs. Or so. So we or did get, so. Uh, uh, I got some feedback. We've occasionally gotten some feedback from our dozens. And dozens! Of listeners. Gosh, we need a soundboard. And, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> But uh, our dozens and dozens of listeners, and that uh, sometimes, like maybe, I feel like maybe in a rush to like do everything in an episode, yes. right? Maybe we get like we leave some things a little like unsaid or a little too like ununpacked, un ununpacked, un un unpacked, <laughs> not unpacked. <laughs> we don't unpack them as well as we could for our there audience, our you'll, perspective you'll get audience. There. Yeah. Uh, English, and um, I'm very good at English. So, uh, so, maybe, so that maybe kind of for me spurred a bit of this, like, hey, let's just maybe take our time on yes. this. Also, I think one thing with uh, Justin is that you know last week we had kind of the transition from um, more like occasional writings, like Saint Ignatius mm-hmm. of Antioch. We spent a lot of time with him at the beginning. And he's writing like as he's going to martyrdom, and so he's writing to different churches along the way and kind of giving them encouragement mm-hmm. and so forth. And last week, then we had uh, Melito of last episode, not last week. I was going to uh, call you out on that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
So last episode, we looked at Melito of Sardis a bit in his Hymn on Paradise, which really we probably like went way through fast and didn't really get enough detail on. Hot so, hoot, Nanny. I have a lot of fault there. <laughs> I got on a lot of soapboxes. <laughs> I got really excited last episode. You did. You did. I did. You could hardly contain yourself. Uh, sorry. So, uh, so for St. Justin Martyr, we want to like spend more time with you, is what we're yeah. saying. And I, I think this is the beauty of Fat and Dad that I so very much enjoyed just slowly wading through... <sighs> <laughs> no, you are not beautiful, Fat. Oh. Um. <laughs> I thought you noticed my hair. Oh, yeah. I just wait, Waiting through um, Ignatius was so... Like, like, that wasn't a marketing scheme to, to make Fat and Dad great. It was just... It was our decision to do it and not put too much on our plate. And sure. it ended up being so fruitful yeah. just to slowly walk through it a few pages at a time. And there, there are enough resources out there that do this, you know, if you want to get the whole idea of Justin or Augustine or, you know, these big, big wigs of the early church um, synthesize their themes and whatnot. And that's just not our, that's not what we're setting out to do. No. We're, we're setting out um, to just slowly walk with the church fathers and bring them into modern, modern dialogue. There so you that's go. what we're going to do. A new era. A new era of church fathers? question mark so uh anyways enough about us let's talk about saint justin martyr amen um so uh first of all what is an apology so reading uh, we're going to talk about his first apology mm -hmm. uh what did he do that was so wrong that he needs to apologize and <laughs> not only apologize once but apologize twice yeah um could you explain the apologia yeah i will um so an apologia is a Greek word meaning uh, a defense or a rationale of. Uh, this is going to be the word. I'm I'm 98% sure. I didn't. This is just off the top of my head. This is the word from that famous line in, in one of the letters of Peter that says, oh. always be ready to give a defense mm -hmm. of your faith. Always be ready First to Peter give. First Peter 3.15? Oh, I want to say it's second Peter, but I, you're probably right. Um, first Peter three fifteen, boom sauce. Well done. Um, yeah, always be ready to give a defense of your faith or for your faith. That's same word in play here is apologia. Uh, always be ready to give a defense and a rationale. So this is Justin's uh, attempt of, and a beautiful attempt of, a a defense of the Christian faith against certain claims against Christianity. So he's, he's now working more in the, the, the Roman polity sector of things in this. I, I think he crosses hairs with, it, not in person, but timeline-wise. He's in the same timeline as the end of Ignatius and Melito's life. Um, Justin is born sometime in there. Uh, so he's in the same conceptual world as these other fathers, but he's working... The, the opening address is to the emperor and to the Roman Senate. Well, yeah, so he's far more a part of the established Greek world. Yeah. All right, the Greco-Roman world, whereas, you know, nations of Antioch, Melito, they're Easterners. Yep, yeah. And so while they might be conquered by the Greco-Romans, right, the, the Romans that have really adapted so much Greek culture, 
they aren't that themselves. Yeah. And so Justin, as a kind of part of that Greco-Roman world, wants to stand in that Greco-Roman world. Mm-hmm. And that's what this defense, this apologia is doing. Yeah. Fad, you had a good, you had it pulled up earlier. You, you just read it before we launched. What is oh. Justin apologizing against? Sure. And so basically, there, so there's accusations, and he'll, he'll cover, uh, at least at the beginning of this, like three accusations against uh, the early Christians. And you'll find this in other writings where they'll talk about the uh, accusations against the early Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like in paragraph six, it says, you know, we are called atheists. And he'll go mm-hmm. on and explain that uh, in various ways about why they're considered atheists. Uh, he'll also talk about... Uh, you know, people accusing them of immorality in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's one other accusation. Oh, and then uh, their disloyalty uh, to the Roman Empire, mm. right? That they are uh, traitors to uh, the peace of the empire by their faith. Indeed. Yeah, so these are the things we're going to slowly uh, see Justin develop in... Um, defending against these claims that that they are an atheist religion of course from the roman point of view they are an atheist religion they are atheistic they don't believe in the roman gods or the greek gods Uh, they believe in this christian god so what does that mean for rome what does that mean when when christians say oh you follow a different king what does that mean for rome yeah and that's a great little thing to tie in maybe uh, a larger scriptural point and historical point, like with uh, the uh, the relationship of the Jewish people and the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the, if you will, maybe the innovations of the Roman Empire uh, was that when they conquered a place, they would allow the conquered people to keep their gods, uh, which again is a very much a part of someone's, in those days, their culture, their individual culture. Romans would just say, you can keep your gods, you have to worship the emperor, though, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Jews, though, the Jews were allowed to not worship the emperor. They worked out a deal, essentially, um, and stinking awesome, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that they wouldn't have to worship the Roman emperors, they'd have to pay the taxes, which in some ways Jews thought was, some Jews would quibble was idolatry, because across the uh, um, Roman money had the image of Caesar on the money. And thus we have that famous passage, uh, which Justin quotes, St. Justin quotes mm-hmm. in the first couple paragraphs. Uh, what, Mr. Scripture Scholar, what's that passage? Oh, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. It's in the Holy Week passages. It's somewhere. In, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to say like Matthew 26. Well, um, you keep talking. Sounds good. So yeah, to render to Caesar to Caesar's that, and render to God that which is God. And that, the whole question there is for them, is it uh, uh, a pious Jew asking Jesus, is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar? And Jesus asks him, well, show me what coin do you have in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Uh and on the Roman coin that you'd use for the Roman census tax is the image of Caesar. So Jesus basically tricked his, uh, the person that's trying to trick him, Jesus gets him to basically reveal his own fault of his idolatry by having the Roman coin in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jesus says, well, then render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, if it's marked by him, and render to God that which is God's. Mm-hmm. So it's in that context. So 
the Christians, as they grew, as the faith grew, uh, were not allowed that exemption that the Jews had because Christians and Jews quickly distinguished themselves from one another mm-hmm. um, and for various reasons and ways. Um, and so because of that, then, a tension, a conflict was set in motion between the regime and uh, the faith. Thank you. That Thank was you. an impressive off-the-top summary of Christian social political history. Wow. <sighs> My work here is done. I'm well, next <laughs> episode, we'll talk... Oh, no, I'm kidding. Oh, man. So... So that that's a wonderful context to place Justin then, because Justin really steps up to bat as the hero uh, for Christianity, and to defend the the reasonableness of Christianity. So I think that's kind of the the launch pad by which we we dive in here to the first apology. Well, right before at, you before you dive in, oh, go for it. Remind me at the end of a caveat. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. I don't know whether to be excited or nervous. Or all right. I'm going to make a note for myself. You, you, right. you dive in, but remind okay. me at the end. All right. <laughs> so, so Justin kicks off. He writes this apology to the emperor, to the philosophers, uh, to the son of Caesar Augustus, to the Roman Senate, to the Roman people. And he says then, after that introduction, he says, The lover of truth ought to choose in every way even at the cost of his own life, to speak and do what is right, though death should take him away. And this is just one of the small windows into kind of the impetus of of Justin. Justin is a seeker of truth. He's yeah. not trying to even justify Christianity as this something otherness than reality. He's not trying to justify this new way of conceiving of reality or the human person. In fact, he's really trying to chisel down to the to the core of humanity and the core of truth itself, which is God and the revelation of his son in Jesus Christ and the sending of the Holy Spirit. So this is this is his task now to set out that that Christianity is grounded not just in political truth, but a deeper fundamental truth that's embedded in creation and the human person. Yeah, and, and that uh, what, what Justin confesses as a Christian isn't contrary uh, to the things that he's sought by his reason alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Justin was, this is a bit of a backstep, he, he was not always a Christian, he was not born a Christian, but he was a, he was a student of philosophy, and he was a truth seeker. Uh, and it wasn't until a certain encounter with a man who introduced him to um, to the God of Scripture where he says, oh, this is the source of, of the truth that I'm seeking. So uh, maybe an important historic context there. Just a moment ago we were talking about uh, the religion mm-hmm. of um, and the conflict between the, uh, the Christian faith and the Roman Empire. It's also important to note that the religious atmosphere at the time was really... Uh, religion was, if anything, was mostly a political tool. Totally. So there wasn't much piety in the ancient gods. There mm. wasn't much piety in the Roman religions. There was a lot mm. of dissatisfaction. Those that were serious thinkers, the philosophers, uh, in a sense, were all like, they, they sought truth, they wanted truth, they felt in some way there was some god beyond the gods, mm-hmm. but 
almost entirely culturally, like religion was just something they did that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so, and that was another way where the Christians were a great shock uh, to everyone because like they took religion seriously and they mm-hmm. thought religion was seriously connected to philosophy in a way that it hadn't been previously uh, in their experiences. Yeah. Yeah. He calls out the kind of the superficialness of paganism and he's going to do that all throughout the letter. Right. He, um, in paragraph nine, he kind of takes them to task saying, certainly we Christians do not honor with many sacrifices and floral garlands, the objects that men have fashioned set up in temples and called gods. We know that they're lifeless and dead and do not represent the form of God. And he goes on to talk about, in a similar way that the Psalms do, uh, these um, these craftsmen and uh, these builders who build these, right, these false images or these tools for worship. And the very craftsmen themselves are out in this <laughs> vanity and scandal yeah. of, of public life. And so what is really grounding this religion? Surely it's not this movement toward piety and the harmony and peace of man, but it's just this superficialness to, to pacify the, the, the politics that be. Yep. Um, Expediency. And so, yeah. And so he's really just trying to, I'm, I'm really hype on this chiseling language. He's really just trying to chisel down past that and find what is the deeper reasonableness that lies in the human person and their search for God. Um, and so this is how he kind of comes at his, I don't want to say attack, but by defending Christianity, he attacks this, the, the superficialness of the, the pagan culture of the day. Sure. Well, I mean, the, uh, you said an apology is a defense, and the best defense is a good... Offense. Offense. Um, it's also, so it's, uh, listeners, a lot of, uh, Christians love the work of Justin today because it seems like it resonates very much in our postmodern time, yeah. uh, where people feel very dissatisfied with expressions of religion, even though now the religion that a lot of people are dissatisfied with is the expression of Christian religion. Yeah. 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 Ju- Justin is a, just a fantastic model to, um to be a seeker of, of beauty and truth as, as found in God and in the mind of Christ. One of the things that, um, that really struck me, you know, I think this comes into play just as much for Justin as it does to our modern day is paragraph 11. And he says, when you just look at that, nice. Yeah. He starts that paragraph saying, when you hear that we look for a kingdom, you rashly suppose that we mean something merely human. And Fad, you described at the beginning or at some point in the beginning, we talked about how does the Roman government look on a Christian people who says they're worshiping another king? Is that going to be a problem? Are are Christians trying to create a new polity? Are they a man-made kingdom in competition with Caesar? Right. And that's the whole, that's the whole basis on which they successfully put Jesus under trial and killed him. They said... We have no king but Caesar, but this right. guy's trying to be a king. And ultimately that, that leads him to the cross. Um, and so, so Justin is um, planting this beautiful seed of how we are not of this world, but we are in this world. And we are not a competition to other polities, temporally speaking. 
Yeah. Yeah, just I'm thinking about how, I feel like I read something just a moment ago about the idea of like leaven and salt. But again, the, the, the people of God as that hidden leaven in the midst of the world. Yeah. Um, God's people in his kingdom. But I can't find where a quote with that would be. Mm. But um, so, yeah, so uh, I think I said the, the, the accusations were that Christians were atheist, uh, that they were immoral. And what was the third one? Yeah. Uh, so but the immorality uh, just came from like confusions about Christian worship. Uh, that he'll get into, like, people uh, would accuse them of, um, like, their, uh, their love feasts, they'd call mm-hmm. the mass, in some ways outsiders would. Uh, people would accuse them of uh, doing things that are just against the uh, common morals of the day in various ways. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's still tied to that kind of, um, a lot of that accusation of morality is still tied to that civic religion of uh, the Roman Empire. Right, right. Um, which is interesting, too. I think um, I remember talking with some of my, uh, doing a book study with my parishioners on the book called Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Mm-hmm. And some of my parishioners have a hard time understanding when I say that uh, America is a very, very, very morally concerned country. Yeah. Right? Now, it's not always Christian morals, but it's very mm-hmm. moral. Right, and like the language of, you know, uh, LGBT rights is mm-hmm. a language of morality. Yeah. The language of uh, various woke movements is still very moral, very mm-hmm. moralistic, right, about it. And, and so even in St. Justin Martyr's time, the Roman Empire, although its morals were very far away from the Christian morals, they were still very moralist, mm-hmm. very moralistic. Yeah, and uh, and so on that foundation, Justin is making the the apology, the defense that because of our Christian morals, we actually make better citizens than Roman pagan citizens. Right. <laughs> he he says he uses this example somewhere. I don't have it right here. He talks about paying taxes, hmm. and paraphrasing, he says, you know, I. I might be able to not pay my taxes and get away with it if you don't catch me. And on from from your standpoint, I'm I'm fine. But as Christians, we know that God sees the heart. And so as a Christian, I'm more for lack of a better word, I'm more scared of jo- God's judgment than Caesar's judgment if I don't right. pay my taxes. So I'm going to pay my taxes. <laughs> because God sees everything. And so the Christian is going to be all the more moved to be a peaceful presence in the society and a contributing member to the society to the to the culture as a whole save the religious politics yeah uh i see paragraph 17 has some of the stuff on taxes i'm okay. not seeing uh exactly quite uh that way um, yeah it's i i had one line open where he says it's paragraph 12 we are in fact of all men your best helpers and allies in securing good order yeah if you want good good peace among men christians are going to be your best your best allies here yep uh so that's uh which again it's interesting that 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 was part of a concern from the beginning Mm. and so we also have to realize too it's going to be as our western civilization becomes less and less christian 
that concern is going to be, is already being brought to us right now. Yeah. Right. That you Christians yeah. are immoral yeah. by the way, uh, by what you teach from your faith. Yeah. I, um, I know we're coming up on time, but I, we may have missed one big connecting point for, Please. Uh, for Christianity and its reasonableness is this idea of Jesus as the word. Uh, you, you may have seen it looks in English like logos, uh, might pronounce it logos. This is the, the fancy, fancy biblical scholar. Fancy. Uh, so, you know, John 1 1, in the beginning was the word, in the beginning was logos. And contained within this word, word or logos, is also this idea of not simply just a spoken word, but, but reason, logic is where we get this word from, logos, logic. And so why is Christianity reasonable or logical? Because Christ not simply is logical or Christ is not simply reasonable. Christ is reason. Christ right. is truth. You know, I think a, a good way to understand that notion of the logos and what is in the Greek mind and what's in St. John's mind when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, like sometimes in our own like modern discussions, you might hear people say, uh, could God, who's all-powerful, make something so heavy that he couldn't lift it? <laughs> right? My, when I was a kid, it was, can God make a burrito so hot that he himself can't eat it? Sure. <laughs> that's how, that's see, how smart we were thinking i see i see your family dinner practices shining through on that um if you know you know but um but so 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 listeners the idea of whether it's the burrito so hot that god can't eat it or the object so heavy god can't lift it josh is trying so hard not to laugh but uh what's behind that idea is it's supposed to be kind of like a logical trap Right, that uh, well, if God's all powerful, certainly He can make something so heavy. But if He's all, but if He makes it so heavy that He can't lift it, is He really all powerful? Mm -hmm. um, but the the answer to that is that's not a logical question. Yes. Right. It's like saying, um, can you make a four sided triangle? Yes. Right, because according to reason and rationality, triangles have three sides, mm -hmm. um, and so you cannot make a four sided triangle that's a square. Yeah. Um, and that's not a limitation on you or anything. That's just reason and reality. Yeah. And so, and God is the author and source of all reality. And we call God Logos. We talk about him as the source of all reason and thought and intellectuality. Hmm. That's convicting. Maybe just ending with this um, spurring in my heart as you're talking about that is... We can, we can fall into this trap pretty quick to be obsessed with all of the non-truths in society or, or even just in our personal lives. What's going on that's, a, that's against truth or against reason. And one of my favorite analogies is that those who work in you know, FBI, whatever, um, against counterfeit money, they don't study fake bills. They study and are obsessed with the true dollar bill so that they can immediately spot a fake because they know the true dollar bill so well. Yeah. And I, and I think in the spirit of what Justin is starting and what he's going to do, he's more concerned with, he's not so concerned with the anti-truths. He's more concerned with keeping our eyes on the truth 
And so the more we're just fixated on, on Jesus, the logos, the word, the reason, uh, we will know the truth better than by trying to justify all these anti-truths without Jesus. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's a great way to leave. And that's, and and that's Justin's passion. Justin has been seeking, he's been seeking the true Ben Franklin. He's been, he's been seeking, (laughs) seeking, seeking the true Benjamin, seeking the true hundred dollar bill. Uh, and, uh, believes he has found it in Christ Jesus and all other, uh, uh, attempted currencies pale in comparison yeah. to Jesus Christ, the true Benjamin Franklin. $100 bill. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, we, we can't end this without hearing about the hero. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so you talk about, you know, you said justice is kind of like the hero, the defender of, like, the faith in this reason and rationality, though. Uh-huh. So my question is, is that what turned the ancient world Christian? His rationality. Hmm. 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 I need to think on this answer. Okay. I don't want to answer it rashly. It, That'd itself... be irrational to answer, answer it rashly. <laughs> uh, what is... Um... What is good philosophy without being put into practice? Mm. But what is good practice without being well informed? Mm-hmm. That is where I leave you. There you go. <laughs> so do do you do you want to should, should we flesh that out for the listener quickly though? Go ahead. Yeah, please do. Okay, so I think you you, you want to say that again. What is what was your kind of circular said, question what is what is good philosophy or or even what is good christian theology without good christian practice but how can we have good christian practice without good or informed christian theology great so i think my question listeners was uh it's commonly thought that it was the witness of charity that converts the ancient world mm-hmm. not the example of rationality yeah Right, that it was see how these Christians love one another, yeah. like in their self denial, their martyrdom, they're willing to suffer for the truth, like Justin Martyr did. He suffered for mm-hmm. the truth. So, in a sense, his greatest apologia is his death. Yeah, amen. Um, but at the same time, as human beings, we need to have something like spoken through, gone through, read through, in order to really give us a a reason or something to stand on from which to make those actions of uh, love. Ooh, yep. So, all right. Ooh, this was, was a fun one. I like this episode. One little thought. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, so uh, next episode, uh, dear listeners, we're going to keep uh, plugging through whatever we need to plug through next in St. Justin Martyr in his first apology, and we'll see you then. Amen.